As leaders, we are natural fixers. Newsflash, most of the time, that's not what they need. We don't need to jump into fix. We are not the fixers of broken things and broken people as leaders. Our job is actually to listen. And the second reason it's so important is you're telling that other individual that nothing else for this time that we're together matters but you. The B2B Marketing Exchange brings together B2B marketing and sales practitioners from across the country to get the latest tools and tips they need to succeed. Now, we're bringing the insights from the stage to your ears. I'm Claudia Tarico, And I'm Kelly Lindenow. And this is the B2B Marketing Exchange Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the B2BMX Podcast. We are officially on season nine of the pod, and after a little break, we're ready to bring you more B2B marketing and sales insights. This season, they'll be coming from our B2B sales and marketing exchange event, which was held in Boston this past August. Plus, you can expect some unique interviews with some of our B2B SMX speakers, which we recorded right on the show floor at the event. Wow, I can't believe we're on season nine already. So before I continue on, I just wanted to thank everyone who tunes into our show and who has helped keep it running for so long. So we really appreciate you tuning in and hopefully season nine lives up to all of our standards. And as Kelly said, this will be an exciting new season. While we'll be replaying presentations and interviews from our B2B SMX show floor, we're also prepping for our upcoming B2B marketing exchange in Scottsdale, Arizona. And it's coming to the beautiful Phoenician Resort on February 26th through the 28th in 2024. So as we get closer to that event, we'll be also catching up with our speakers to share sneak peeks into their presentations in Scottsdale right here on the pod. That's right, Claude. And clearly our listeners have so much to look forward to this season. But for now, we're kicking off the season with the keynote that kicked off B2B SMX. Roderick Jefferson's consistency is key, turning strategy into action with enablement. Roderick is a sales coach for growth companies and author of Sales Enablement 3.0. He literally wrote the book on sales enablement, so he's always our go-to expert for the latest best practices and trends. Yeah, we're huge fans of Roderick Jefferson here at DGR and B2B MX. He's just a stand-up guy and always such a pleasure to work with. So big shout out to Roderick if he's listening. So in this session, Roderick is going to share how you can enable your sales and marketing teams to work hand in glove to break the complexity of the buying and selling process into practical ideas. With that alignment in place, you'll generate scalable, repeatable, and measurable processes that lead to accelerated revenue generation and increased sales productivity. So without further ado, let's roll that tape in three, two, one. How are we doing today? There we go. Now we're here. Hey, I, first of all, I want to thank all of you for taking time to come out this morning to Claudia and to the entire team. Phenomenal group. Just for a moment, give them a hand. <laughs> Consistency. Yeah, it's an interesting word that I hear a lot, right? So just before we get started, I want to say I don't want this to be a presentation. Let's make this a bit more of a conversation and interactive. Throw your hand up. What's your definition of consistency? Just yell it out for me. If you're not going to be interactive, this is going to suck. Come on now. <laughs> One more time. An action repeatedly. Absolutely. What else? Repetitive behavior. What else? Discipline. Discipline. Absolutely. What else? Give me one or two more. Routine. Routine. Love that. Anything else? Reliability. Reliability. There's something to be said for that. I was hoping someone to say that one, right? Because with competence comes confidence and with confidence comes reliability, right? All of those pieces coming together. So today I want to talk about that. And it's not just, as you see, about strategy. I've got this philosophy for anyone that's ever seen me online. You know, people seem to put a lot of credence in hope. I don't have a problem with hope at all. I think it's wonderful. But by itself, no. Um, let's go back. I hope I get into the right college. I hope I get great professors. 
I hope I get into the right job. I hope I get a phenomenal leader. At one point, do you take ownership? Because to me, hope's wonderful, but hope's not a strategy. You've got to have something tied to it. So what I want to do is talk about how do we tie that around, right? So the agenda, really quickly. What does sales enablement really do? That is the question of the day. Now, I will say, and I'm honored and absolutely humbled, and I always like this because I want to see your faces. 18 years ago, I created a little nomenclature that we call sales enablement. Yep, I'm the guy. Fortunately, it's taken off, and I think my baby's starting to grow up. But I also think that it's time to get beyond that point from just sales enablement. I was sitting in listening to Sanguine yesterday, and it really hit me. It's not about sales enablement anymore. It's really about go-to-market, and it's about revenue enablement. It's about how do we connect the dots of all of the different lines of business. So I'm going to talk to you about my idea of what the strategy is to get it done. What's the architecture look like? What's the baseline? How do you build upon it? What does it look like? And then finally, the most important part is reinforcement. Because if we just throw it out there and we leave it, guess what happens? Just like everything else, any muscle atrophies. The same thing happens with strategy. So let's talk about what enablement is. Here's what I think it's not. Let me start there. I believe that you train animals, you enable people. Let me say that one more time. You train animals, you enable people. And what I mean is we're not teaching people to sit or roll over. This is an ongoing occurrence. It's a marathon. It is not a single sprint. You've got to constantly reiterate. You've got to communicate, collaborate, and orchestrate. And I'll talk about that a little more later on what that really means. But in my perspective, what's enablement look like? It starts at talent assessment and acquisition. I think that enablement should be a part of the interview process. Why? Because one, we know what it takes to be successful. We understand what it takes and what's the propensity for these people to be successful. Although, of course, they were successful before they came. But will they be successful in your given company? And also, because we deal with sales and marketing, we've got a much higher BS filter. Right, because we get a chance to go through this and, and have those conversations. The next piece is, it's about onboarding. And I mean consistent, sometimes it's role specific, other times it's about getting one, everyone together and getting that single baseline. And this is where I talk specifically to my marketing folks. Thank you for consistent messaging and positioning. I see all the marketing people smile. There's gotta be a hitch there. There is. When you build it with sales, I don't mean in a silo of you could create this ICP, you create this um, messaging and positioning, and then you throw it over to sales. What happens? They go, great, thanks for it, but we're not going to use it because we didn't have a voice in it. And then it goes all the way back to the very beginning. Marketing says, we've given you all of these leads, you never use them. Sound familiar? What sales do? We don't use them because they suck, all right? But now here's where enablement comes in. We get a chance literally to be that hub that spokes out to all of the other lines of business. And we say, you know what? Sales, marketing, product marketing, HR, engineering, L&D, let's come together at the same table. And I always ask the answer, the question, excuse me, marketing, has sales ever actually defined what an MQL or an SQL actually means to them? Most of the time it's like, mm, kinda, but it keeps changing. So I say sales, get consistent. Help you help me, right? Let them know what that means, them being sales to marketing. And marketing, give back to them. You are not sales support. You are not sales scribe. You are not a sales doormat. You are here to be a partner across the organization, and we cannot be successful without that. I was just sitting down and with breakfast, and we were talking about that very thing on how, for some reason, companies seem to exalt sales way up here, and everyone else is down here. No, that's got to stop. That's why we've got conferences like this right now. This is why we continually are still talking about the separation and the silos between sales and marketing. As long as we do that, we're going to have the same problems. What's the definition of insanity? Over and over and expecting a different result. We've been doing that now. I've been in B2B SaaS for <coughs> a few years, um, for 25 years now. And we've had that same thing. Right, And so now, this is what's going to change it. It's not just about onboarding anymore. 
We've got to work collaboratively to make sure that do what we call everboarding, that continual education where we're constantly sharpening that sword and we're always growing. What happens when things change with M&A? Things like COVID hit, right? Mergers and acquisitions. We've got to stay on top of those and we have to work co-jointly to make sure that when we do take this out to the field, we're coming as a unified front. Because if we come disconnected, you know what they're going to do? They're going to make their own stuff up and then they're going to get out there and they are going to completely confuse the market. But if we come in together and we say, we listened to you, we heard you, we built this code jointly, a couple of things happens. One is we're on the same page. And second, now not only do we get consistency, we get accountability. We get ownership on both sides equally. So then the next piece after we've done this piece is, it's all about asset management. We've got stuff all over the place. Marketing, thank you for the phenomenal content. Let's make sure we have it in a single location because otherwise salespeople are not gonna go to multiple places as we already know. Put it together, make it easy, and put it in multiple modalities. We all know people learn differently. Give it to them in soft copy, give it to them in podcast, give them into multiple modalities so that they can now go and learn the way that they learn. And the other thing it does with sales is <laughs> it closes that loophole so they can't make excuses. They can't say, well, that's not how I learn. Never heard that, right? Let's take that and let's start shoring up those holes. The next piece is all about leadership, coaching and reinforcements. We do a great job of getting things together for our sales folks. We assume we know what happens when we assume. We assume that leaders are going to continually focus on themselves. No, they're not. They're either coaching their people or they're trying to close deals. So now enablement gets to take on that piece around making sure we get them right. Next is metrics and metric. And I'm not talking about smiley sheets and butts and seats. No one cares about the fact that you trained 7,000 people and you got a 4.0 out of five. That and seven bucks will get you a latte. Let's get back to now, things that are going to be revenue impacting only. What are we doing to accelerate speed to revenue, increase productivity, and then ultimately tie the front and the back of the house together so again that we're all working together. Otherwise, what we do is we build this big beautiful house, as Sangram said yesterday, with a short hallway and people to tread out of the back door. If we're focused on net retention, we've got to start in the beginning all the way back to when they are now still a prospect and you're already starting to plan for retention. Still with me out there? We awake? All righty, so what's our value to everyone in this room? It's about those three things, communication, making sure everything's clear, concise, and everyone's on the same page. The second piece is about collaboration, that we're all not just in the boat together, but we're rowing in the same direction. And the last piece, orchestration. People ask me, what's the definition of enablement? I generally don't even say the word. I tell them, think about an orchestra. You've got strings, woodwinds, percussion, brass, all trying to play a, sound, a song together, but the problem is sometimes they're out of tune, sometimes they're playing on top of each other. Guess what? Same thing happens inside of our companies. You've got product marketing, product management, HR, engineering, HR, L&D, enablement, sales. We all wanna do the right thing on behalf of the prospect. The problem is sometimes the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing or we're not collaborating until just like an orchestra. Internally, you've got that one person, the orchestra master, the conductor that steps up, taps that stand, and guess what happens? All that noise and chaos becomes a beautiful sheet of music. That's enablement in its core thing. All right, so how do we do it? Kind of four pieces. The first is all about revenue acceleration. How do we get people up and running faster? Get them prepared getting straight to revenue quicker, right? The next piece is about, excuse me, about, um, God, I can't even see my own stuff. Oh, increased revenue and renewals, right? What are we doing not just on that front end? I know, I'll get new glasses when I'll get back to California. I caught on, <laughs> right? What are we doing for renewals? How do we make sure that we're building, as I said earlier, those customers for life on the front end, right? And the next piece is literally about messaging and positioning but it's not the words of how it's said. I hate sales pitches, I honestly do. As a former sales leader myself, 
There's nothing worse than teaching someone a pitch because now you're going out to give a presentation. Like I said, teach them and now teach them to go out and have conversations, to do discovery and qualification and prepare for objections and not only prepare, but know that it's coming and hope that it's coming because if it doesn't, guess what? They're not really paying attention. They really aren't. The last piece is about that collaboration and that communication. And I'm not just talking about internally. Here's something to think about that you may have never thought about with enablement. And that is, we have an opportunity to literally be a differentiator for the company externally. If you are on the HR side and you're recruiting, if I can tell you now as a prospect, this is what your journey will look like from end to end. We've got it all mapped out. We've been there and done this before. Guess what? It shows that we've got things together. On the back end of retention, as I said earlier, around that succession planning, if we tell you this thing is mapped out, ah, but there's still deviation and an opportunity for you to go. When I was a salesperson, I went to President Club a couple times, did really well, and guess what happens? Got promoted to sales leader. Nope, turned it down. I never enjoyed actually closing deals. I loved the process of selling. So went into sales training, could go into product marketing. Make sure as you're building out those succession plans that there's actually an avenue on the back end to allow people to actually drive their career and not just to be shoehorned into a particular place that works for them. So that's the front end. Now, the strategy piece, all right? What comes? Well, everybody wants to talk about sales process. I wanna talk about sales stages. I wanna talk about that sales methodology or even the selling motions of how it all comes together. None of that matters if you don't tie everything back to the buyer's journey. Has to go back. Far too often I see companies in, in my consulting days where they're literally trying to shoehorn their prospect into all of their processes. Instead, no, let's flip it on its head. Let's go out there and say, what if we understood how they buy, who buys, when they buy, is there a buying community, and what's the criteria? And then we now take all of our processes and reverse engineer how and why and what they buy. It's amazing how things will change. And because this has been the key for so long, oh, it's time to recalibrate. We've got to do things differently. Here's what I think we need to do. First and foremost, we've got to make sure we go back and take a look at our ICP on an ongoing basis, or their ideal client profile. That shifts. Could be quarter to quarter, could be year over year, but every half year you've got to go back and sit down co-jointly with all the different lines of business that actually touch the buyers and say, we still have this right. Has it shifted? Not just has it, but why has it shifted? And how do we now make sure that we can present all of the right content, all the enablement and some training at the right level for each one of their roles inside of the company, right? The next is, all too many times I've talked to companies and I say, oh, can you walk me through your buyer's journey? Oh yeah, we'd go through this and this is how they buy. That's not what I'm asking. Who is it? When do they buy? How do they buy? Is there a committee? Who's engaged? And who are the influencers and actually who are the decision makers? If you can't articulate that right away, it's time to go back to the table. Next piece is making sure that we've got to tighten up those short and, and holes in the wall between sales and HR and marketing and enablement. Why? Because now, because there's not enough acronym, I'm gonna throw one more out there. We got the ICP together, but what about the IEP, that ideal employee profile? As your company grows and matures, that's going to shift. It's not enough to just go and say, you know what, we're gonna go get the rock stars from our competitors and bring them in. It doesn't work that way anymore. Or you know what, we're gonna take our BDRs and SDRs and make sure that we throw them in so that they're prepared. Not enough. Look at where you're going, how you're going to get there, and what it's going to take to get there, and then again, reverse engineer and work from that angle. The next is that methodology, those sales processes, those are important, but make sure that it, it's realigned to that new alignment with the ICP and with your new IEP as well. And finally, it's that collabor collaboration piece. Get together on a monthly basis you should be getting together, or your enablement person should be driving a meeting so that everyone comes to the table. You get a chance to have a, a true conversation and make sure that, hey, you know what? We've got a boot camp coming up. Um, product marketing, do we have the most recent first call pitch? 
hey, product marketing, I've heard this request five, six times. Can we either get that thing moved up on the release cycle or at least start talking about it and, and preparing for it? You know what, going to sales and saying, you know what, our IEP has changed. And so I think now what we're going to do is because we've got a more seasoned seller, I don't think we have to go as deep on the front end. Let's go deep and wide on that back end. If you're making those changes and iterating on a constant basis, it's amazing how connected the company becomes. All too often, we prepare our sellers to give presentations. Show of hands right now. Who's gonna help me go out there and kill this is the way we've always done it? Please. Wait, only like six people? Everybody else wants to keep doing it that way? Let's try that again. Show of hands, who's gonna go out and change this? There we go, thank you. Because if we don't, definition of insanity again, we're gonna keep saying the same thing. How are we gonna do it differently though? I wanna give you strategy and I wanna give you things because I'm used to sitting out where you are as well. I wanna give you some things you can go put into practical application as soon as you leave here today. And that is make sure that we're preparing them for a deeper level of preparation. Now, of course, they're gonna go look at the 10K, 10Qs, they're gonna go listen to the earnings calls. Go deeper than that, go wider, so that they can now go have a personal conversation. Learn more about the people that you're getting to know. All too often, we prepare our sellers so that they know everything under the sun about the company. Guess what? It's only 50% of the conversation. What we wanna do is go in and talk to them about things like, you know what, so by having a conversation with my company, what's the one or two things that we can do that will help you personally, Mr. and Mrs. Buyer? Can I get you a bigger seat at the table? Can I get you out of the doghouse? Can I put your name in lights? Can I help to get you a promotion? We've always been taught, oh, go create these champions, create a champion, but no one actually tells us how. I'm gonna tell you how now, right now. Take a personal approach to helping and stop selling. I'm gonna say it again, start helping. Start helping, stop selling. Go out and actually take a personal interest in the information. Look, you don't have to go to have, do happy hour and barbecues. That's not what I'm saying. But get to know that person, and it's amazing how they're going to open up. And they may go to an nth degree that they wouldn't have before because you've taken enough time to ask the questions about them. The next is building rapport. It's all changed, right? COVID changed everything. It's no longer, oh, I can look out and I can see what's on your wall, and we went to the same school, or I can take you to play golf. We can go play happy hour starting to come back, but at the same time, rapport is different. Look, we all, especially early on COVID, we all got those emails that said, dear so-and-so, I hope that all is well with you and your family and everything's okay. At some point, it became disingenuous. Guess what? We're at that point. If we're doing it, stop it. Go in, have that personalized conversation but also, they know that we're here to try and help them out. And notice I didn't say sell again, but to help them out. The next piece is be clear on communication, on what's expected, what's going to happen, what the roadmap looks like, and guess what? It'll give them a better understanding and a closer relationship with you. And then once they start to trust, then they'll rely on you, then they will buy from you. You can't go from A to Z. And for too long, we've tried to jump and skip all of the other alphabets in between. Don't forget to nurture. <laughs> Another show of hands for me. How many times have you bought something, don't hear from anyone, 90 days before it's renewal time, they're your best friend? <laughs> Absolutely. How'd you feel about that? Not so good, right? Don't do it to them. Don't do it to your customers because First of all, customers are way more savvy now than they ever have. Secondly, they've got access to far more information than they ever have before, and they don't want to be sold. And we can all smell a sell coming a mile away. I'm not saying that you don't have sales. What I'm saying is don't sell, and I'm talking about to marketing as well. Because if you think marketing doesn't sell, <laughs> wrong. Absolutely you do. And unfortunately, you've had to. So on behalf of sales, I'm gonna to apologize to marketing for not valuing you as my partner and looking at you as more of sales support. You are not. We cannot be successful without you. So thank you very much. How are we gonna do it? Because everyone's talking about, oh, what's the new normal? What's the new normal? I don't think there's a new normal. 
Because to me, if to say that there's a new normal, that infers, excuse me, that this is something that we've seen before, we can go lean upon this. <laughs> Folks, where we are right now, unless you live in a cave, it looks nothing like anything I've ever seen in my 56 years. So now we've got to focus on the next normal. And that means building something new. As I said earlier, building rapport differently, getting out there and actually having those personalized conversations. I was just talking to my buddy John outside before we started here about virtual community. We had the water cooler. We could go into the office. We could listen to calls. We could learn from each other. What happens when you're remote now? You have to do something to connect. What I used to do with my teams is every month we got together for a virtual happy hour, not just wine cocktails. You know what? One time we did a get to know the rest of your teams, you know, three twos in a life. Sometimes we got together and we built charcuterie trays. Other times we got together and we did name that tune. It sounds kind of hokey, but you know what it does? It builds a community and it also starts to build trust and you get to know each other. And from there, look, I don't know about you, but I'm a little tired of Zoom myself. When Zoom became a, a, a verb, I knew we had a problem. Right? And it is certainly that, right? So now, how are we going to fight fatigue? We can't stop these things, but at the same time, I'm going to go out on a limb and say something really crazy. Pick up a call, pick up the phone, call somebody. Oh, it will shock the hell out of them. <laughs> I'm going to tell you. Right? Or they're going to look at it and go, like my kids do, <laughs> ignore, hey, dad, what did you want? All right, and, and the last piece is no matter where we are in today's world and even in that next normal, whether it's the focus on AI and now social media, and personally, I think social media has actually made all of us less social. I could be wrong here. If I'm wrong, come and see me after this and let me know what you think about this. With all this going on, the level of customer service and support is still expected to be this high. It doesn't drop. I don't care if I'm sitting in front of you. I don't care if I'm my, my action word of Zooming. It doesn't matter if I'm on Teams, whatever it is. There's a level of expectation because I've read something the other day that 80%, 80% of prospects said, if I didn't have to talk to a salesperson, I never would. Think about this. And the problem is we've conditioned them to not want to talk to us. Why? They know it's end of month, end of quarter. I just kind of wait and discounts start to fall in. I'm going to nudge this. We, am I right? We talked about this yesterday because we teach people how to treat us. And by the way, discounts are only valid and used in the absence of value. Say it again. Discounts are only used in the absence of value. If you can't show value, Oh, then guess what? I'll just slice things and I'll get down. And secondly, <laughs> discounts are for you to sell something. It's not for them to buy. Because if it's high value, they're going to buy whatever it is that you're charging. You've shown the value. So let's now go to the architectural piece. Just like everything else, it's a process. Starts on the front end of having those conversations. Get away from the bits, bites, and bots and really start talking about how I can help them either increase productivity or decrease pain. And while we're on this, Stop teaching people to go and dig for pain. It's not always about pain. Sometimes it's literally about increasing productivity and efficiency. Now, when it is pain, what do we do? Back to my marketing friends again. Help us with this. Marketing, we've got pain and I know that it's hurting them. Your question should be, did he need an aspirin? Did he need Vicodin? Did he need Valium? Or did he need an extraction? And that would be the level of content that you provide to go out and message in position and make sure that it's at the right level at the right time. The next piece is, as I said, not just look for objections, hope for them. Because if there are no objections and they're not pushing back, either A, they're not telling you how they really feel, or B, they don't see value in what you're selling. We always say, oh, let's go manufacture or create a sense of urgency. <laughs> Newsflash, you can't do that especially not today, not at all. They are going to move on the speed of whatever their buying cycle is, not the way that you're trying to sell to them. When you close, 
Make sure that you take in your CSM, your customer support manager in with them. Because you, there's nothing worse than you've closed a deal, now all of a sudden you've built this strong relationship, and suddenly you've got this white lab coat or new person that I don't know. Wait, I trust you, but who is this person? Try something new. Go back and now start bringing in your CSM at the point of close, not after it's closed. Because once you do that, they're now part of the family and they're somebody that can be trusted and that they will trust. And the last piece is, and I say it over and over and I will continue saying it, they are not revenue, they're not a logo, they're not a name up on the board, they're not so you can go and ring the bell. People still buy from people. Look, AI is amazing, I'm gonna talk about it shortly, but it gives context, excuse me, content. The context comes from that relationship of getting to know people and having conversations. I think there are kind of five Ps that pull all this together. The first is, what's your purpose? What does culture mean to you and what do you wanna go show externally? I'm not talking about what's on your webinar, excuse me, on your website or what you put in your messaging. Culture is what happens when nobody is watching. Culture is also what everybody talks about but may not tell you that. So focus on that piece. Most important P to me right here, people. What's it gonna take? And this is now how I build all of my um, enablement organizations and how I help companies to build them as well. People get this together. What do we focus on? How are we gonna do it? What are the programs? Is it onboarding, continuing education? Is it globally? Is it regional? Is it about domain expertise? You've gotta pull all these things together. And again, sit down at the same table, sales, marketing, product marketing, as well as enablement together. And it's amazing how the diversity of thought will change the way you approach messaging and positioning. The performance piece is what's going to happen, how we're gonna do it, what's the roadmap. And finally, platforms. Look, I, I love tools like no other, but everything is not for everybody. Just because it's cool and sexy, it's the hottest thing out there right now, it's the trend, whatever it may be, and I don't think AI is a trend, by any stretch, whatever it is out there, or because you know what, my peer at these three companies told me it was great and it was amazing for them, they made a different, excuse me, maturation cycle than where you are. So make sure that you're vetting this, and I'll tell you, enablement has a very keen eye because we talk to each other every day, all day, and we tell each other good, bad, ugly, and indifferent about every tool out there. So make sure that we're included in that conversation because we wanna help you to align all your technology. I think there's six categories that every company at some point is going to, to touch throughout the life cycle of their maturation. The first is all the learning and content management systems. Look, I don't think you need everything up there. I just wanna show you some of the things that I've touched and played with. Then there's the sales reporting piece in, in the prospecting. Of course, the marketing automation tools, a plethora of communication tools those platforms in place, and then finally, the revenue intelligence tool. Do I think you need all of those? No, not all at the same time. Because here now actually creates another problem. I've got all of these tools and toys, but they don't talk to each other. I can't get the data out of those that I need. I can't go and actually show value and justification for all this budget that I've spent. Or what happens? Shelfware. You get it, no one uses it, it gets shelved away, and as enablement, that is a difficult justification for explaining why I've just wasted a lot of budget. So make sure that you're doing these deep um, discovery and preparation when you're buying these tools. Sit down with your enablement person and say, hey, I've heard about this tool, or they may come to you if they're good and say, hey, here's some tools. I've sat in on calls, I've listened, I've now gone to QBRs, I'm sitting in the bi-weekly meetings, I'm sitting in on the forecast. Here's what we're missing and here's why we need this particular tool. Oh, but that's old school. That's the way it's always been. That's how we did it for the last 10, 15, 20 years. <laughs> World has shifted right before our eyes. So what do we do different now? I think there's an opportunity to actually utilize AE as a productivity tool. I look at AI kind of like um, PowerPoint, Excel, Word. They're productivity tools. It can actually help you articulate and communicate better. It can make you work smarter, not harder.
but can also confuse and take you down a rabbit hole that you not, may never even see the day of light. So make sure that you're taking a chance, excuse me, taking time rather than taking a chance, right? The first is how can we use it? Marketing, lead scoring on the front end, right? And Sangram said something yesterday, stop calling them leads, start calling them insights because now it's a different level and now you're infusing yourself into the actual buyer's journey and now you're on that front end versus, guess what, we've got leads coming from marketing, stop. Now it gets pulled over to the BDR, stop. Now it goes to the AE, stop. Goes to the SE, stop. Goes to CSM. What if we could build a continuous and contiguous flow that now made sure that we never get to the end state without the beginning, which starts with marketing? The next piece is really, how do we automate all these mundane tasks that we're doing? Oh, it's funny, because when I, I talk to people, I say, I always ask, what are you doing with AI? Oh, well, we're using ChatGPT to da 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 I'm like, yeah, okay, that's good. Um, but what are you really doing with AI? Go, when you leave here and you're talking to folks back in your companies, ask a simple question. How are we using AI? And notice how many different answers you're going to get. How are we using AI? And what are we not getting that we still need? Those are the two answers you want to ask. Because the next piece comes down to analytics. I remember there was a time where in enablement we would run a workshop or we'd run an SKO or whatever it may be. It could take us three days just to get all the analytics together. <laughs> Not now. I can go back an hour or two and come back and learn everything I want. Um, what did you enjoy most? What did you enjoy least? What do you wish you would have heard? And then how do we now go and make you bigger, faster, and stronger? I'm gonna say this word strongly, personalized coaching. Coaching's not enough anymore, right? Because for too long, coaching has meant peanut buttering across my team and making sure that I'd give them everything that I know and have them become my clones, no longer. Find out what's going on, right? There's never been a time in the history of man where leading with empathy and humanity and data has meant more than it does today. It's out there, it's available, utilize it. But don't use it as a crutch. Far too many times, oh, well, I can just go and do this and AI will do it. AI will give you content, it will not give you context. Yet, give it time. Final piece is making processes more effective. Those sales processes right now where there are breaks in the armor, that will help to actually call things together, right? And I'll stop for a moment because I see a lot of cameras up. If this is the one you want, go ahead. Because, going back to, <laughs> I love the reaction of this. But you want to know something? I took that picture in February. Imagine what the landscape looks like right now. Can you find ChatGPT on there anywhere for me? It's on there, but my point is, it's one of a bazillion and it grows every week, right? People are worried about, oh, it's going to take my job. The robots are taking over. The bots are going to do this. Yes, I'm not gonna pretend in some cases, but again, for now, it gives us content. It does not give us context. People still work with, people still buy from people. Relationships still matter. But there are some things that it can do really well for us, right? especially from the enablement perspective. All the accreditations and certifications, whether it be onboarding, um, new releases, et cetera. We can pop those things out now in multiple languages. Simple and basic. Next piece is those role plays. I know a company actually right here um, in Boston and what they do is they actually create a tool that allows you to do a role play that requires and forces, ready for this? It forces the sales leader to be infused in the process or the person can actually accreditate or certify without their manager being a part of it. Talk about accountability. I love it because what it does is it'll ask you a bunch of questions and actually lead you left, rabbit hole, or lead you right, 
based upon whatever you answer. And the wonderful thing is, you get a chance to trip and fall in-house, we are far more forgiving. The other piece is because it forces the manager to be in, involved in this, they get a chance to actually see where the soft spots are and they can work with those people right away. And it forces, dare I say, a relationship between the two. The next piece is where marketing comes in, content development and generation, but not for the sake of giving them more content. AI can actually show you what is working, what's not working, what do you need more of, and what you should never be doing again. Utilize the tool the way that it was built because now it's gonna lead to a stronger level of collaboration, more intelligence and more data, and ultimately what sales loves, loves, loves. Tools and templates. <laughs> I can say it because I'm a sales guy. Most salespeople are lazy by nature. I know, sounds bad, but it's the truth, because think about this. If they never had to create anything and they would go to marketing and say, hey, can you create this for me? Check. Hey, I've got this thing. Can you pretty it up for me? <laughs> oh, you've heard that before. Check. Or, you know, I've got some ideas on this, but I really don't know how to translate it into what the customer really wants. But marketing, can you do that for me? Try this strongest, softest, at the same time word on the planet. No, not gonna happen. Now, I'll work with you and we can build this code jointly, but I'm not gonna go do it for you. And you know what'll happen? I said it earlier, you teach people how to treat you. They will realize at that point that we are codependent and we need each other to be successful, right? Now I wanna go kind of fast on this one. When it comes down to, and I talked about earlier about metrics and measurements. The smiley sheets and butts and seats. How do we get away from that? I think there's three ways to do it. There's a traditional of, okay, we look at how things were year over year, what closed, how fast did it happen. The next is literally taking a blended um, weight where I've got kind of what's happening up front, leading and lagging indicators. Then there's a granddaddy of them all. I have never seen, I won't say never, once in one company that I was in that actually got to this last point. And that is the high value activities, not just leading and lagging, but how do we get there? Where are we going? And then, dare I say, what's next? So enablement has to be the translators of dialects and languages. We gotta speak Spanish, French, German, Russian, et cetera. That's all the lines of business. Because when I'm talking to sales, I believe, first of all, there are two different types of metrics. One that enablement impacts and influences, and another that we own. So let's talk about the influence first. If I'm talking to sales, what matters? I'm gonna to talk to them about average deal size, deal velocity, pipeline, um, time to quota. And by the way, not just first close, but first and second close. Cause that first close could have been lucky, could have been a bluebird, could have been a whale, could have already been in play before they got there. Make them earn their steal and now look at that second close. That shows whether or not they can actually close, right? And of course, win and loss rates. That's my Spanish. But if I'm gonna go talk to sales engineering, now I gotta switch my hat from Spanish to German. Because if I talked about those things, they could care less. Them, they care about number of demos, whether or not there's actually a demo needed, or if it's actually being used as a crutch. Number of opportunities, number of POCs, things of that sort. And by the way, not every close requires a demo. It requires a demo when you can't have a conversation. Because all too often, we've had the relationship person, the sales rep, oh, I'm done, let me turn this over to my smart person. SE, step in and go close the deal for me. It's gotta stop. Now, I think that those accreditations I talked about earlier, let's do it equally for both sales and, excuse me, sales and SEs, and now you walk in as a unified front. But then there's the things that enablement actually owns. We own the accreditations, the certifications, all the surveys, all the back-end pieces, and the metrics. So talk German, French, Spanish. <laughs> oh, gotta change my hat again when I'm talking to customer success. Because none of those things matter to them. Right? What matters to them? Adoption rates, escalation rates, um, first contact, um, red accounts, things of that sort. Because until I learn how to speak in their language, I will never be able to have a conversation with them. Let me say that one more time. Until I learn how to speak in their language, we will never have a conversation. 
I'm on a mission to kill the verbiage of sales enablement ease. Oh, it's very easy to go out there and throw out all of these cool buzzwords, but nobody hears you and no one's listening when we do that. Talk to them in their language, right? And so how do we do that? Now you've learned a language. It's just like everything else. First, you get the small conjugations, then you get the verbs, and unfortunately, you probably get the bad words too up front. But then it starts to turn into a conversation the more you do it, and that comes with reinforcement. Now, all too often, we have utilized playbooks as an asset. I look at them differently now. I think now they are the foundation of the house that we're building. Because above that, now it's all the enablement, all the university things that go on. It should have a component to onboarding that is role specific and focused on that particular role. Because what's deep enough for one or technical enough for one is not deep or technical enough for another. From that then it's the continuing education. And this is something that's iterative. That means going out and actually talking, I know, go talk to people. Go out and talk to the field and find out what's working, what's not working and constantly iterate what your playbook looks like. Why? Because now it's incumbent upon the first and second line managers to own the adoption, the execution, and most importantly, the positive modeling of what they're expecting people to do and look like. And then ultimately, now you start to come together and it's no longer just some asset that you throw up on your content management or your learning management system. It now becomes the foundation of how you are actually going to enable people. And under that, there will be some training. Oh, but now let's stop making managers. Let's start creating some leaders, could we please? Everybody talks about EQ. Show of hands again, someone reach out or shout out to me. What's EQ mean to you? Ability to be empathetic, absolutely. Component of? Giving it. it. <laughs> I'm gonna give the PG version of that one. <laughs> what else? Understanding people. Understanding people with a emphasis on people, right? Let's make sure that we're actually finding out what makes people tick. Because believe it or not, not every single person that's in sales is coin operated. I know, hard to fathom, right? Sometimes they actually enjoy going out and, and as I did with that process piece. The other time it's going out and actually being able to work with different types of industries and companies. So find out what gets them going and what makes them tick and hone in on that piece, right? Lead with compassion. No one said that word, but I'm gonna throw it out there. It's literally about the ability to understand what's important and what matters to that individual and how it's done. And then make it individualized. All too often, and I love that first bullet, avoid leaning on your own experiences. All too often we're like, well, that worked for me and this is how I was successful and I went to President's Club 372 times. Again, that and seven bucks will get you a latte. I'm gonna leave you with this, and that is start every conversation. I do this right now whether I'm talking to a team meeting, leadership meeting, or I'm having a conversation. Huh, caveat, do not try this with your partner at home. <laughs> not what you wanna do. But professionally, ask this same three-point question. Do you want me to listen? Do you want me to coach? Or do you want me to fix? Let me say it again. Do you want me to listen? Do you want me to coach? Or do you want me to fix? And the reason that we do that is because as leaders, we are natural fixers. Newsflash, most of the time, that's not what they need. We don't need to jump into fix. We are not the fixers of broken things and broken people as leaders. Our job is actually to listen. And the second reason it's so important is you're telling that other individual that nothing else for this time that we're together matters but you. Tell me what set of ears to put on and I will certainly do that. So as I said, I want to leave this out. IQ without EQ or vice versa, useless. Has to mesh together in order for this to be successful. Because we all know some leaders that are incredibly brilliant, but unfortunately EQ, they're intelligently stupid sometimes. And I say it because early in my career, I was that person until someone literally pulled me aside and said, you know, you've got all of the mechanism. Slow down a little bit and actually talk to people. 
And you don't even realize it's happening sometimes. And I guarantee you there are people in your company that you look at brilliantly, but like, God, I'm glad they're not my manager. <laughs> right? Don't be that person. So I'm about to wrap things up. Um, happy hour later, I will be signing books. And as Claudia said, there's a small amount. If you want to grab a book, greatly appreciate it. If not, understand. There's the QR code for what's coming on out there. It's in paper book, soft copy, um, audio book. You're going to have to listen to me. I'm going to have to tell you that part <laughs> throughout the book. But it's all there, right? And the last piece, find this useful. Was this helpful for you? Show of hands, yes, no? Okay, if so, would you take just a moment, hit that QR code for me, and hit just a quick survey for me, if you would. I would greatly appreciate it. Now, if you would like to connect afterwards, <laughs> I always say, if you can't find me on social media, you're not trying, right? There's my, um, I've got a link tree out there. I'm on LinkedIn, um, Twitter, uh, threads, you name it out there trying to find out and learn from others. And that's the thing. If you can help me learn something or connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm going to be here for today and tomorrow. If you've got questions, want to go deeper on things that are happening here, I would love to have a chance to have a conversation with you. Thank you so much for the time. Appreciate it. All right. So that is a wrap on Roderick today. One of my favorite quotes from the presentation, and it's something Roderick often says, is that you train animals and you enable people. So if there's anything that you remember from that session, that should be it. Absolutely. And if you're eager to hear more from Roderick, actually, you could check out our interview with him from last season. We spoke with him to get a sneak peek into that keynote from B2B SMX and kind of dove a little deeper into the topic. So there's definitely some more tidbits in there for you guys to enjoy. So thank you so much for listening today. Don't miss any upcoming season nine episodes by subscribing to the pod on your podcast player of choice. And of course, make sure to connect with us on Twitter and LinkedIn to share your feedback and tell us who else you want to hear from on the podcast. Finally, we really want to see you at the B2B Marketing Exchange in Scottsdale, Arizona next year. Registration is officially open and our rates are lower than ever before. So if you register soon, you're going to get a really, really good deal. So we'll drop the link to the site in our show notes so you can save your seat. Have a wonderful rest of your week, folks. We'll be back with another episode next Wednesday. Take care. Take care.